welcome to New Hope Community Church Online. The sermon you're about to hear was originally given by Pastor Chuck Wilson. New Hope Community Church, to know, to live, and to share Jesus Christ. The title for today, we're going to be in Mark 13, 1 to 8, and the title of today is Are You Ready? Part 1. There's going to be probably four parts to this, but part one, and it's really about the second coming, and we're going to focus on birth pains today. So, it's interesting that we landed on this passage today on Palm Sunday. Once again, don't forget, get your palms on the way out. Yeah, just don't use them as weapons till you get outside. All right? But the, the triumphal entry was Jesus Christ's first coming when he presented himself to the Jews as, as the king of the Jews, Jesus the king of the Jews. And the perfect timing that we land on Mark 13 today, because we're going to be talking about today the second coming of Jesus Christ. And it's all about us preparing for his second coming, the second time he comes, as the king of the universe, the entire world and the entire universe. Are we aware of how close the second coming is? Are we ready? Are we prepared for this? Could be very, very close. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this Palm Sunday. We thank you for the worship focusing on the cross, and also looking forward to focusing on the resurrection next week. We pray for those who are going through hard times through this difficult week, but what gives us hope? What gives us hope is that the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the promise that we also can have that same resurrection. Father, we pray for your mercy and grace now, that your word would touch us, in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so if you weren't here a few years ago, we did Daniel Revelation. And we talked a lot about the second coming and preparing for the second coming. So if you ever want to catch up, uh, see Katie, and we have lots of CDs of Daniel Revelation. We spent a long time in it, but uh, yours, but it was, it was great. And so see here about that. We're also going to be looking at Matthew 24 a lot. So Mark 13, Matthew 24, very, very close parallel passages here. But I'm just going to read, we're only going to do the first eight verses today, but I'm gonna, let me read the entire passage because it really just sets the tone Signs of the end of the age, Mark 13. As he was leaving the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what massive stones, what magnificent buildings. Do you see all these great buildings, replied Jesus? Not one stone here will be left on another. Everyone will be thrown down. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter, James, John, and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, what will be... Tell us, when will these things happen, and what will be the sign that they are all about to be fulfilled? Jesus said to them, Watch out that no one deceives you. Many will come in my name, claiming I am he, and will deceive many. When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places and famines. These are the beginnings beginning of birth pains. You must be on your guard. You will be handed over to the local councils and flogged in the synagogues. On account of me, you will stand before governors and kings as witnesses to them. And the gospel must first be preached to all nations. Whenever you are arrested and brought to trial, do not worry beforehand about what to say. Just say what is ever given you at the time, for it is not you speaking, but the Holy Spirit." Brother will betray brother to death and a father his child. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. 
all men will hate you because of me, but he who stands firm to the end will be saved. When you see the abomination that causes desolation standing where it does not belong, let the reader understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let no one on the roof of his house go down or enter the house to take anything out. Let no one in the field go back to get his cloak. How dreadful it will be in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers. Pray that this will not take place in winter because those days will be because those will be days of distress, unequaled from the beginning when God created the world until now and never to be equaled again. If the Lord had not cut short these days, no one would survive. But for the sake of the elect whom he has chosen, he has shortened them. At that time, if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or look, there he is, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will appear and perform signs and miracles to deceive the elect if that were possible." So be on your guard. I have told you everything ahead of time. But in those days, following that distress, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, men will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. And he will send his angels and gather his elect from the four winds and from the ends of the earth to the ends of the heaven. Now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that the summer is near. Even so, when you see these things happening, you know that it is near, right at the door. I tell you the truth, just this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Woo! So we're going to spend a few weeks in this, and you're going to, there's some very eye-opening things. We're talking about the end times, the second coming. Are we, are we ready for the second coming, which we're going to be focusing on? This will take sev- several weeks. The second coming, we're going to be talking today about the birth pains. Then at, next week, we're having Resurrection Sunday, going to talk about the resurrection. But the week after, we'll be talking about contractions. And then we'll be talking about the birth, the second coming itself. And then we'll talk about preparing. Are we ready for this? Preparing But today we're going to focus on the birth pains. And let's start off with uh, verses 1 to 4, first of all. Set the tone. As he was leaving the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what massive stones, what magnificent buildings. Do you see all these great buildings, replied Jesus. Not one stone here will be left on another. Every one will be thrown down. As Jesus was sitting in the Mount of Olives, opposite the temple, Peter, James, and Andrew, John and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when will these things happen, and what will be the sign that they are all about to be fulfilled? So the disciples come to Jesus. You've been following. We just got done battling the Pharisees, right? And they, they say to Jesus, remember he was sitting there looking at um, the, the widow putting in the mites. If you weren't here last week, get that one. It was a wild one. But the disciples sitting there in the temple and they say, look at the temple. Look at these huge stones. Isn't it impressive? They're very proud of this. Solomon's temple, the first temple, was destroyed by the... Babylonians, right? The Babylonians. And then that was rebuilt. If you want to see how the second temple was rebuilt, read the book of Ezra. Ezra rebuilding the temple. And then King Herod comes along and taken a beating because of all the wars and 
things going on in, in uh, Palestine. King Herod comes along and remodels it. He makes it huge. He expands it. It's one of the architectural wonders of the Roman world at this time. Very impressive. In fact, the historian Josephus wrote about the temple and the stones that were used. And he said they used these brilliant white stones. And they, some were 37 feet long, 18 feet wide, and 12 feet high. Imagine using stones like that to build your house, you know? Imagine them using the stones. This is before, you know, electricity or the gas-powered engines. You know, John, how would you like to do construction with that size stone with, with you know, people, you know, and, and the old systems that they had to build? That, that had to be incredible to do. So, Jesus says, though, as impressive as this looks, that one stone will be left on another. They'll be completely destroyed. I've been to the temple site. There's not one stone left on another. Of the, the temple itself is completely wiped out. The religious leaders, we've been talking about how Jesus is fighting the religious leaders and how they've rejected him. And the religious leaders had rejected Jesus as the Messiah. And now he's going to reject them and their temple for now. But you already saw in this passage that there's another temple in the end time. The temple will be rebuilt in the end times. And that's one of the signs. Watch for the temple being rebuilt. Uh, In 70 AD, the Romans fulfilled Jesus' words here, his prophecy. Completely dismantled the temple. What happened is the gold from the roof and different parts of the gold, gold in the temple melted because they burned it. And the gold ran down into the cracks of all the, these massive rocks. And the Romans weren't going to leave even a speck of gold. And they actually pried apart every stone and scraped all the gold out. That's why not one stone was left on another. They completely dismantled it to get it, all, the, all the gold there. And the disciples are shocked by the words of Jesus. They say, what? When? What are the signs that this is close? But Jesus prophetically jumps. He prophetically jumps really from this time, but even 70 AD, he prophetically jumps to the end times, far beyond 70 AD, to his second coming. To the second coming. And he gives signs for the second coming. If you read the whole passage, you see clearly he's not just talking about what happened in 70 AD. He's jumping to the end times and it matches Daniel. It matches Revelation. Once again, read those, get the, the CDs, follow along. But the first thing, the thing that I want to focus on today is verses 5 to 8, which are the birth pains. He says here, Jesus said to them, watch out that no one deceives you. Many will come on my name claiming I am he and will deceive many. When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places and famines. These are the beginning of birth pains. The beginning of birth pains. If you've ever had a baby, or if you're a man, your wife has had a baby... You know that first come the birth pains, and they come out of nowhere. All of a sudden, boom, there's birth pains, and you could be just about anywhere, and we have been just about everywhere 13 times, you know. Whoa, you know. Uh, they They come out of nowhere, and then after the birth pains start, then come the contractions. 
And, and, and contractions, the, at first they start out just a little light and, not, and no big deal, but then they get closer together and they get more intense. And that's how you know it's getting closer and closer to the birth. The baby's getting closer. The closer they get, the more intense they get. That's when you know the birth is coming. And Jesus uses this picture. And we're going to be talking about birth pains today, contractions next time, then the birth. And, and these are all things we have to really look for. We're going to look at some of the beginning birth pains today. The first birth pain is in verses 5 and 6 where Jesus, Jesus said to them, watch out that no one deceives you. Many will come in my name claiming I am he and will deceive many. Will deceive many. So the first one he says, watch out. We're going to see Jesus saying that you already heard me, right? All the way through Mark 13 Jesus keeps saying, watch out. Be on your guard. Watch out. All throughout it's vital. Watch out that no one deceives you. That's a big danger, a big danger for us, then for the disciples, and for us today. It's a very, very big danger being deceived. Jesus is warning us, as the end times come, we have to really be on our guard because there's going to be so much deception. He says, many will come in Jesus' name claiming, I am he. In Matthew 24, 4 and 5, he gives it even a little bit more detail when he says, Jesus answered, watch out that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name claiming I am the Christ and will deceive many. When he's saying I am he, he's saying they're going to come and say I am the Christ. I am the Christ. He's warning against false Christs, false messiahs. Jewish history, Jewish history tells us that by Jesus' time, there had already been 64 false messiahs. Because there's this, remember the incredible messianic expectation? People are looking, they're waiting, they're waiting. There had already been 64 false ones who didn't fulfill scripture, who didn't fulfill the prophecies, who didn't do what the prophecy said, die and rise again, right? There's 64 of them. After Jesus, there were many. In fact, the biggest one was in 135 AD, Simon Bar Kokhba. Simon Bar Kokhba, a very fascinating story. He was hailed as the Messiah. He led a great revolt against Rome. And then he was killed, didn't come back from the dead, killed, and the Roman, Romans totally said, we've had enough of this, this Israel, and they just crushed it. Israel was wiped off the map at that time for almost 2,000 years until now. Until now. God's time. God's timing, a miracle has occurred that Israel has been revived and has become a nation again. And that is to prepare for the second coming. We know it's getting close because Israel is a nation. That's God's timepiece. That's the, the, the blinking light, you know, the blue light special. It's, that's, that should be telling us preparing for the second coming and the remnant. We saw the remnant that's going to be revived and, and, and turned to the Messiah in Israel. All through history, though, many have claimed to be the Messiah. Even now, many, many people. Just Google it. You'll be shocked at how many Messiahs and second comings of Jesus there are. Cults like the Moonies. Remember, the Moonies were really big. They're still, they're still big. They're still big. But remember, Reverend Moon, and he claimed that he was Jesus in the second coming, and he did all these marriages. And he's still going. He's still making his money. It's, he's a scam artist, right? But uh, countless People claim to be Jesus and to be the Messiah. Even the Muslims are waiting for a Messiah. Did you know that? 
They're waiting for the Mahdi, and they're waiting very intently, and they think he's close to coming now. But all throughout, uh, throughout their history, they've been waiting for this, this, this Messiah who's kind of blurred together. In fact, I was reading Malcolm X in his autobiography, fascinating, and he was talking about a guy who they thought was the Messiah. Uh, it, I'll just read a few parts of it here. He, and you see the, watch the blurring between the Messiah and Jesus and the Muslims. He says, he was one to whom the Jews referred as the Messiah, the Christians as the Christ, and the Muslims as the Mahdi. And, and, and this guy is talking to this guy. He says, I asked him, said Mr. Muhammad, who are you and what is your real name? And he said, I am the one the world has been looking for to come for the past 2,000 years. My name is Mahdi. I come to guide you in the right path. You see, even the Muslims, it's blurred together with the Messiah. We see even that with the Muslim religion, many, many false messiahs even there. So we know that's increasing in intensity, these false messiahs, the false Christ. But there's another way that this, I believe, is being fulfilled, that you can see this being fulfilled, another way that they're going to deceive. And this is people who come along and say, Jesus is the Christ. Just like it says here, for many will come in my name claiming I am the Christ. Look at how that can also be. Someone could come in Jesus' name saying Jesus is the Christ. And we're, we're seeing that same twist. They'll say he's the Christ, but there's a twist to it. Not, they don't have to necessarily come and say, I am Jesus. They could come in Jesus' name and saying, Jesus is the Christ, and deceive many. And we're seeing that happening. They will preach Jesus, but a different Jesus. They will preach Jesus, but they'll deceive many because they're preaching a different Jesus. I think of cults, the different cults that are, are so pre prevalent today. The Mormons. The Mormons, you talk to Mormons, and a lot of you probably have Mormon friends. They say, we believe in Jesus. We're just like you. We're an evangelical denomination, just, just like the Baptists, just like the Presbyterians. We're, we believe in Jesus. But it's a vastly different Jesus. The Jesus they talk about is not the Jesus of God's word. It's a different Jesus. The Jesus they talk about was revealed through this angel Morani aptly named, take the eye off, uh, and, and, and they, they gave him the Book of Mormon. And it's a very different Jesus. He was the brother of Satan, Lucifer. They were brothers, and, and he's not divine. He's the brother of Satan. And it's, a, and it's a different salvation. It's a work salvation that's been completely invented. That's, that's what the Mormons believe. They say, I believe in Jesus just like you. But they're deceiving people. It's a different Jesus and a different salvation. And they got this from this angel Morani. Galatians 1.8 says, Paul warning says, But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preached to you, let him be eternally condemned. Literally saying they can go to hell. That's what, that's what Paul is saying there. Eternally condemned to hell. Even if we are an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to, let him be eternally condemned. Any gospel that's preached differently, even by people who say they believe in Jesus, that doesn't mean anything. Test that Jesus and test the gospel. It has to be the same gospel that has been preached here. And we see this deception in the world today being morphed into a whole new mantra. 
Yes, we believe in Jesus, but there are many ways to God. That's the new mantra, right? That's the politically correct mantra, the religiously politically correct mantra. There are many ways to God, but we do believe in Jesus. Yes, Jesus is God's son, but so is Buddha, and so is Muhammad, and so is blah, 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 X, Y, Z. Even, and this is shocking, this tells us that we're getting very close to the end times, even the Pope recently came out with something that totally contradicts many, many, many other popes, by the way. And listen to what the Pope said. This is, you can Google it and watch the video. Pope Francis calls for collaboration with the world's religions, those who meet God in different ways. In his first ever video, this just happened, in his first ever video declaring his prayer intentions, Pope Francis called for dialogue and collaboration among those of various world religions on Tuesday, asserting that they are simply seeking or meeting God in different ways. The video then features clips of, of those from different world religions declaring their beliefs in various deities. I have confidence in Buddha, a female lama announces. I believe in God, a rabbi affirms. I believe in Jesus Christ, a priest states. I believe in Allah, an Islamic leader declares. This is put out by the Vatican. Francis contends that all the religions of the world simply represent mankind's diversity in seeking God. He says that despite the differing beliefs, everyone is a child of the same God. Many think differently, feel differently, seeking God or meeting God in different ways, he states. In this crowd, in this range of religions, there is only one certainty that we all have. We are all children of God. The video then provides footage of the pontiff meeting with and embracing those of various religions, including Buddhists, Islamists, and Orthodox Jews. It again cuts to representatives of the world's religions who now declare the same statement, I believe in love. Can anybody say one world religion? So... How do we take the Bible and the Quran and say that's the same God? How can we do that? Because in the Quran it says very clearly that for all of history, there's open season on Christians and Jews. A true Muslim should persecute, kill, enslave, or heavily tax a Christian or a Jew. They're given open season in the Quran. Read it yourself. And yet, in our Bible, God says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Is God schizophrenic? I don't think so. I was in India, in the Hindu religion, part of this whole equation, all lead to the same God. In India, there's 220 million gods. There's temples where they worship rats. You go into the temple and there's rats running around. And they pray to those rats because that's God. Are you telling me that we all, that God is that rat too? You, you get the point. We get the point, the deception, the incredible deception. And there's a lot of former popes that would totally agree with what I'm saying. Many, many, many of them, right? The early church was persecuted, why? By Rome, why? 
because they wouldn't worship the Roman gods. They said, we will only worship Jesus Christ and his father. We won't, we don't believe all these other gods are going to the same place. We think they're going somewhere else. They were persecuted for that. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The, the apostles who were persecuted because they preached in Acts 4.12, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to, men, given to men by which we must be saved. I don't care what popes and presidents say. God's word says there is one way to God the Father, and that is through his Son, Jesus Christ. And we're seeing the deception. We're seeing it increasing, even among Christian churches, organizations. It's not just the Roman Catholics. There's Protestant churches have caved in too. Many evangelical churches are caving in too. God is separating the sheep and the goats. Pay attention. Pay attention. Birth pain number two is in... Back to Mark chapter 13. In Mark 13, verses 7 to 8, we see birth pain number 2, where he says, When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. So, birth pain number 2 are wars. Starting with the war that destroyed Jerusalem... That was just the beginning of birth pains. And then we see the Roman wars that rocked the world at that time and then finally destroyed Rome itself. They were destroyed by all the wars that they had. All throughout history, there is one constant in human history. Anybody, any history buffs here? What do, you, what, what do we read about? War after war. You can, that's history. War. That's how all the famous leaders really are. They're not... There's, there's a Gandhi, but most of them are generals, right? It's war. But what do we watch out for? Increasing in frequency and intensity. What did we see in the last century, in the 20th century? World War I and World War II. The first completely worldwide wars in history in the last century. And you, they convulsed the world, and the savagery and the, the amount of death, mind-boggling. More people died in World War II than lived in the earth, you know, much of, the, much of history. Fun, just shocking. Birth pains, pains number three and four, verse eight. There's two more that we're going to look at today. Uh, there will be earthquakes in various places and famines. These are the beginning of birth pains. The beginning of birth pains. Earthquakes. Earthquakes. I go, there's so many conflicting statistics and discussion on this. And it really boils down to this. If you're reading a Christian perspective, they find the increasing earthquakes. If you're reading someone who doesn't believe the Bible is trying to disprove it, they say no, and they just try to disprove it. And I just kept going through all this information. And finally I said, you know, I'm going to Google the worst earthquakes in history and just see, because they, they know when the earthquakes have happened. I'm going to Google, and I found a, a, a site which had the 25 worst earthquakes in history, the 25 worst ones. 
And that's just based on magnitude and death. Magnitude and death. These are the 25 worst ones. And it was very interesting. Not all the little ones and all this, but the 25 worst by magnitudes and the death they've caused. In the first 1,000 years, there was one. 856. In the next 900 years, so from 1,080 and before that, there was one in the top 25 list. In the next 900 years, up to 1,900, there were eight more. 1138, 1290, 1498, 1556, 1667, 1693, 1721, 1755. Eight more. So, so far there's been nine out of the list of 25. And this is by magnitude and the amount of deaths kind of combination, right? After this, after this, in the 1900s, 1908, 1920, 1923, 1997 Pay attention. Famines. I did the same thing with famines, and wow, what a, what a lot of famines there are. Uh, it does seem the same that it appears that famines are increasing in frequency and intensity. It seems the same thing. If you look at the, the worst famines, if you Google it, there's always been a lot of famines, but they're definitely increasing. They're getting more and more and more and more as you go, and even now, very bad. But many you can trace to human causes. War is a big one. Many people are in famine because of war. Uh, human causes, man-made causes. There's also many blamed on, guess what? Climate change. Right? <laughs> Used to be called uh, global warming, now it's called climate change. I don't know what they're going to call it next, right? But everything gets blamed on climate change. Uh, I used to think, how could... You read the book of Revelation, you see these catastrophic things happening that God is sending on the earth, and the people aren't repenting. They're not connecting the dots. They're not figuring out what God is doing. I'm like, how could this happen? These massive events in Revelation happen, and people aren't connecting the dots and saying, we've got to turn back to God. Now I know. Because they're going to blame it on climate change. It's not God doing it. We're causing this by climate change. Whatever the reason is, whether, however it's happening, whether it's man-made or you can't explain it at all, the point is that God is still in control, isn't he? And Jesus predicted these things happening. We have to really pay attention to that. All these, Jesus says, all these are the beginning of birth pains. And they're going to increase in intensity. They're going to increase in intensity and frequency. 
That's what's going to happen. That's what we have to pay attention. We're going to look at more contractions next week. In a, in a few weeks, I'm sorry, next week is Easter. In a few weeks, don't miss it because you're going to be, when you're going to, we're going to look at contractions that you're going to see happening right now. Read ahead, study it, start picking them out, you're going to see it. But the key today, the one I want to focus on today, because that's a whole other thing, Jesus' words, watch out that no one deceives you. That no one deceives you. We are in the, the age of deception. And this is the words of Christ to us as we look at the birth pains, as we go to contractions. Watch out that no one deceives you. I want to encourage each one of you, as you read the news, read the Bible side by side and connect the dots. Connect the dots. God is at work in the world every day. We see birth pains and contractions every day. Connect the dots and stick to God's word. The media and the culture is trying to brainwash us. Don't believe 99% of what they're saying. Look at God's word and believe God's word. Stick to God's word. Let that mold our minds and our worldview. Very, very important. Let that mold our worldview. Romans 12.2 says, Do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. And that's what God's word must do, and our faith in God's word must do. Don't be conformed any longer. The word in Greek means to be squeezed into a, squeezed into a mold there. And he said, don't let the world squeeze your mind. We have to be transformed. I know when they... Uh, I know when they were excavating and they found King Midas' tomb, you know, the golden touch, the guy with the golden touch. When they found King Midas' tomb, it was like 700, uh, I think, A.D. They, he was in existence in Turkey, the area of Turkey. And they found him and they found his body, his skeleton. But a very interesting thing, they thought they found an alien at first because it had this long, high forehead. He was a conehead. He was a conehead, King Midas. And the reason is, at that time, they thought that the long, high forehead made you seem more regal and majestic and, and attractive. And so what they did with King Midas and anybody who could afford this process, they would wrap their heads when they're babies in this real tight cloth. And they'd keep wrapping it and making the forehead longer and longer and higher and higher until you had a cone head, right? And that was considered very attractive and very kingly and... All the rich people want to do that. We would look at the person and say, look, mommy, there's a cone head. You know, you know, it would be like ridiculous, right? But yet, that's what so many of us are. We're spiritual cone heads. The world looks at us, you know, we're like, you know, wow, this person's got it together. They're thinking like us. They look like us. They've been squeezed into our mold. And God looks and says, you look ridiculous. Are we spiritual coneheads? Have we been squeezed by the world? Or are we being transformed by the renewing of our mind? How have we been deceived? Do we believe God's word that there's only one way to God through his son, Jesus Christ? No matter what popes and presidents say? Have we been deceived by the world in some other way? We've, we've accepted something in our life, some sin, some temptation, something in our life that, that's hurting our holiness, something, way of thinking that, that goes against God's word, and we've just kind of bought it. We've bought the lie. 
How is God speaking to us? Maybe you're saying you're not a Christian yet. There's only one way to break free of deception. If you're not a Christian yet, you're living in deception. Why? How do I know that? Because I was there. We all were. We all, every one of us was living under the enemy's lies and the enemy's deception, the world's lies, the world's deception. Every one of us, until we put our faith in Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit comes in, we are blind. We are blinded. In fact, in 2 Corinthians 4, 4 it says, Paul says, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. If you have never put your faith in Jesus Christ, you are blinded. Someone's got their hands over your eyes. Someone's got a blindfold over your eyes. Someone has, has blinded you. And there's only one way to break free of that blindness and to see the truth, and that is putting our faith in Jesus Christ. That's the only cure for our blindness is Jesus Christ. John 3.16 tells us, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. There is only one cure, and that is putting our faith in Jesus Christ. In just a few moments, we're going to be walking out and the kids are going to be handing out the palms for us. And, and that's a reminder for us. That's a reminder for us. The palms that are a reminder that Jesus Christ is coming back again. And to watch for him and to live for him. And are we ready for him to come back again? And also, it's a reminder that if you haven't put your faith in Jesus Christ, do it. Give your life to him. Because he's coming back. Let's pray. As we go to this time of prayer, how is God speaking to us? How is his Holy Spirit speaking to our heart right now? Are you ready? Are we ready for Jesus to come again? The only way to be ready for the second coming is we have to act on the first coming. The first coming is when he came and died on the cross for our sin so that we could be forgiven and have a a new life in Jesus Christ so that we could have our eyes open to the truth. So that we could live in the power of the resurrection which we'll be talking about next week. Have you put your faith In Jesus Christ. You can do that right now. Your eyes can be open right now. Your heart can be open right now. By a prayer of faith. Right where you're sitting. Right where you're standing. Right where you are right now. You can put your faith in Jesus Christ. Who is the only way to the Father. Who has made the only way to God his Father. By dying on a cross for our sin. And rising again from the dead to prove he was the son of God. And to give us the power to live a new life. right where you are. You don't need a religious 
person or a religious rite or a ritual. It's a prayer of faith. Just say, God, I believe Jesus, your son, died for me. For my sin. To pay for the wrong I've done. Every mistake I've ever made. I repent of that old life. I turn away from that old life. I put my faith in Jesus. Forgive me because I'm putting my faith in Jesus. I give my life to you, God. I want to live in that resurrection power, the new life you've promised. Forgiveness, faith, and follow. If you prayed that prayer of faith, something amazing has happened to you, which is going to shock you. You can see now. The Holy Spirit is living inside of you, and you're going to know things and be aware of of God's working in your life, and you're going to see things in the Word that you've never seen before, and you're going to be convicted of things that you've never even bothered you at all before. The Holy Spirit is living in you, and your eyes are going to be open. And you're going to live a brand new life in Jesus Christ. I want to encourage you to let somebody know. Maybe you came with a family member or a friend or you know someone here. Let them know about your decision or tell me on the way out or fill out the card, stick it in the box or text me, call me. All the information is there. Let, let somebody know so that we can encourage you in your new life in Christ. For those of us who've already put our faith in Christ, how is the Holy Spirit speaking to us? Are we ready for Jesus to come again? Maybe we're saved, but are we sanctified? Are we living these, the holy lives? Are we living transformed lives? Or have we been deceived in some way? Something holding us back, cutting the power into our life an area of deception that we've bought, the lie of the world in some way, something that we wouldn't want to share with everybody here today. But we hold on to it or we believe it or we don't think it's a big deal. And yet the Holy Spirit is convicting us. Because we know we've been deceived. We bought the world's lies. We bought Satan's lies who's tried to blind us. As you take this palm today, I pray that you'd put it somewhere and remember. Remember the words of Jesus. 
watch out that no one deceives you. That we remember to live in, in our, our freedom that we have in Jesus Christ and the power of the resurrection, preparing for the second coming of Jesus Christ. Father, I pray that every one of us would be awakened by your words, by the words of your son Jesus today. Lord, I know we're all deceived in some way, and it's a constant battle, but I pray that your Holy Spirit would really open our eyes. Really open our eyes. That we would see things that no one else could see in the world events because we're seeing your word fulfilled. We're seeing your power at work. And I pray that each one of us would surrender whatever needs to be surrendered so that your Holy Spirit's power can flow in and through us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.